on day two, baby. I haven't slept in 48 hours. It is actually frightening how I am still functioning right now. But people always have so many questions like, why can't you sleep? Why don't you just take a melatonin? Why don't you just do this? I'm like, wow. Thanks, Einstein. Why didn't I fucking think? A melatonin. Melatonin. Oh, my God. I've never, what is a melatonin? I've never even heard of it. I'm 34 years fucking old. I've never heard of a melatonin. I've tried everything. I appreciate you. But unless there's like a new scientific experiment that only like a certain amount of people know about and it's on like a need to know basis and I need to sign an NDA in order to hear about how to actually fall asleep, I know about it. I'm just going to let you know. That's the deal. I know. Okay. All right. Anyways, insomnia. All right. I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to be my best episode yet. I'm already lying to you. This is probably just going to be an average episode. Here's the deal. I'm going to be honest with you guys. we're off to a rough start here. I'm going to be honest. I have been so fucking depressed these past three weeks. Okay. I'm going to be vulnerable. I feel like I'm always vulnerable. Maybe I'm not. I'm just an open book all the time. Like I can go from, I'll land all these planes. Don't worry. I know we just like took off. There's no air traffic control right now. I will land everything. We'll get there when we get there. What's the rush? We're hanging out. We're here. Relax. I don't know if you're in your car. Maybe you're at the gym. Maybe you just got in a fight with your boyfriend and you just want to listen to some bitch who hates men too right now. I'm here for you. We're here. We're on this journey together. And you know what? Thanks for listening. It's so weird. It's so crazy to think that there's somebody out there right now just like listening to my voice. Anyways, here's the deal. Where was I? Depression. (laughs) I have been depressed recently for like the last three weeks. If I've said this before, and I'll say it again, if you don't see me posting online, I'm either in a love affair or I'm depressed. I'm bedridden. Um, Either way, I'm bedridden. Either there's a man there or there's not a man there. (laughs) So if you ever see me not posting online, it's like a cry for help probably. Or I'm just like, or the other scenario, which is option C, is I have finally decided to leave the world, go off the grid, be a monk, move to Thailand and, you know, have diarrhea every day and pray to Buddha. So yeah, A, I'm with a man. B, I'm not. I'm depressed. C, monk. That's what's happening. D, dead. E, all the above. Anywho, depression. That's where I've been. This is what my depression has looked like this time. So I've always had depression since as far back as I can remember when I was a kid. My cousin Jillian who was is like my best not like she's like the best cousin but she's like my best like instead of saying best friend like best cousin like her and I grew up together we're eight months apart we were best friends growing up so she's seen me uh, we've seen each other grow grow up she would even say back in the day like when we were in fucking middle school whenever the postal service album came out, Give Up. If you've never heard it, it's one of my favorite albums. Actually, besides the cheating and the rape allegations and everything else that led to the demise of my last relation, serious relationship, um, the Postal Service having a reunion tour 
also led to the demise of our relationship. Yeah, that album speaks to my soul. And I loved them since the beginning. And nobody I knew, I I would learn this music from my sister. Like I've always loved indie rock and stuff like that. I love everything. I love all music, but I really have a connection to that music. But actually, I don't even listen to it anymore because it just takes me back to that really dark place. Like the first time I ever went to the dark place, which was, I think, probably middle school, maybe even before that. But my cousin Jillian, she always calls back to this memory of something I would do back then. And what I used to do is, so in my childhood bedroom, I had all these glow-in-the-dark stars on my ceiling and I had popcorn ceiling. So like they barely stuck. I had to like really fucking like, yeah, I had to like fucking staple them on the fucking wall or else they would just fall right off. So I had that. And then I remember one year for Halloween, I had like glow-in-the-dark hairspray and I decided to use that to like help paint the picture of the galaxy so my whole ceiling was like a galaxy. I always loved space. <sighs> so I used to lay on this pink shag rug in my childhood bedroom with all the lights turned off, the glow-in-the-dark stars, and listen to the postal service and literally think about death at like 11 years old. I was a weird kid. <laughs> and I was like, why is nobody like me? I'm different. I'm not different. I'm sure everyone thinks like that, but I really was an existential weirdo kid. Anywho, I've struggled with depression since then, and it comes in waves. I know what my triggers are. I don't know if I'm ready to talk about them here. I actually have this really interesting idea for a new segment in the podcast. I'm not going to say it yet, but um, it would be really cool. I, I'm trying to see if I can swing it, but I have certain triggers that make me depressed. I know exactly what they are. At the moment, my main trigger is firing on all cylinders and I'm unable to control it. I'm unable to get a handle on it. And it, it just kind of, it debilitates me. I feel paralyzed for the past three weeks in this specific depressive state that I've been in. I've basically been in a shutdown where I can't leave the bed. I can't talk to people. There were like three days where I didn't even look at my phone. Like it could have been dead that whole time. I just didn't even want to see it. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to think about anything. I was kind of having like this identity crisis and I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what do I want? What am I doing? I don't want to go back to my old life. Like, I don't want to go back to working reality TV. Like, I have no problem pitching, selling shows, writing shows, but I really just don't want to go back into the field doing that unless it was something I was really excited about or like if it obviously scripted a movie, television show scripted, I would do that and I'm writing things for that. But I'm actually not right now because I can't do fucking anything. And it's like the thing that sucks about depression so much is you know subconsciously whether you're thinking it during your depressive state or not, you know exactly how to get out of your your situation most of the time. It's gonna take hard work, but you know what to do. And if you've struggled with depression for a long time, there's very simple things you can do to start to get out of it. Baby steps. So I've been taking these baby steps because I mean, it was dark and I'm on Lexapro and I'm just like, fuck, like, 
I don't know. Like, what do I need to do? It's like not even this pill's working. I thought this pill was supposed to be like, all right, you're not depressed anymore. Here you go. You got your pill, baby. No, you still got to do the fucking work. Ugh. I love to joke when people are like, you need therapy. And I'm like, well, there's a pill for that. <laughs> but the pill is not a fix all. And actually, that's what my doctor said to me when he gave it to me. And I was like, okay, whatever. Just fucking give me the fucking pill. It's not a fix all. So in this standstill that I've been in, I've been completely avoiding just everybody. My mom, I'm naturally nocturnal. I've had insomnia my whole life as well. I've been to China twice. You know, China's like 12 hours difference plus. I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but I thrived in China. Oh, I thrived in China. I was up at 6 a.m. every day. I think my body's just on that clock. Like I think maybe in a past life or, you know, whatever the fuck, I, uh, I was Chinese and I'm meant to be in China. That's like my body. It's like I moved on from that body into like this new body, this new life. But like my body clock is still in, in with my past life, you know, if I'm getting like weird, maybe. I don't even know if I believe in that, but whatever. That's how my body likes to be. So I just naturally went into a nocturnal state the past three weeks because I was kind of timing it in my head like, okay, I'll sleep all day. I can avoid my mom and then I'll be up all night so I can have peace and quiet because I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to be around anyone. I'm like a cat. You know, I like to be able to hide and I'll come out and play when I'm ready. I don't care if you have toys. I don't care if you have catnip. You're not going to draw me out from under the bed. If I need to be under the bed, I'm going to be under the bed. All right, A and B. And if you don't let me have my space, I'll go to C, D, and E. Okay? Just kidding. So I've been in this standstill, stand down, stand, shut down, whatever. I'm running off no sleep right now, but I've been taking baby steps to get out of my depression. I'm just going to share what I do. I don't know if you struggle with depression or not, but if you do, or if someone you know, first of all, if someone you know struggles with depression, like you can't help them. Depression is almost, struggling with depression is almost like, I mean, it's totally different. It's not the same, but the the same kind of principle of like addiction. Like you, as the addict, you need to have to, you have to want to not use drugs or alcohol anymore. And that's how it is with depression. No one can come save you. No one can force you out of the bed. No one can force, I mean, yeah, someone can be like, you need to get outside. Let's go for a walk but you're going to go right back to what you're doing. You have to want it as the depressed person. So I've been taking small steps. I was like, okay, well, if I'm not eating like the past three weeks, I've barely eaten. And I was like, well, since I'm not eating, I might as well, when I do put things in my body, just so I don't croak, it might as well be good things. So I was like, oh, let me, oh shit. Let me like take let me try to heal my gut. So the past week I've been trying to heal my gut because apparently you're supposed to do that. I don't know, but oh my God, I actually see a difference like big time. This is going to sound weird, but like I haven't even had to wear deodorant this week because like my pH is so fucking balanced. Like you haven't seen a pH this balanced. I mean, I haven't tested it or anything, but like the fact that I haven't had to wear deodorant, I haven't smelled anywhere. Like my pee kind of smells good. It's kind of weird to say, but it's like kind of true. Everything just smells good. And it's, 
I think it's all the stuff I've been eating. So basically what I've been eating is, so I used to work for the Kardashians back in the day and like basically everything that they did, I like took mental note and literal note of because I was like, they have all the money in the world. So whatever they're doing, they're probably very, they're like advised by very smart people. So there was this one thing that I used to have to get for them from the store. It's called BioK and it's this chilled probiotic and it's like very expensive. I mean, it's like five bucks for like one little fucking shot. That's expensive to me. I mean, I don't know if you're rich or not, but to me, that's like kind of pricey for like a box of 12. It's like 50 bucks kind of pricey. But I was like, you know what? You can't put a fucking price on your health and I'm not eating anything else anyway. So whatever I stocked up, I got that. I got prebiotics. Cause I'm like, well, if I'm going to do pro, I guess I need to do pre. And so pro is the actual bacteria. And I think pre feeds the bacteria. I don't know what fucking works. I'm not a fucking scientist, but whatever you can fucking Google it. But anyways, I've been taking that. I've been ta- drinking spearmint tea because I'm trying to clear my face and I hear spearmint tea helps with skin and it does this other skin vitamin. And then I've been making these shots and I posted them, the ones I've made on social media and then some other shit I've been taking. And honestly, it, it is fucking helping. Like I do feel a difference. The other thing I'm starting to do is get sunlight, even just sitting outside for like five, 10 minutes, just get some sun. And the other thing I'm doing. So like I said, I'm a dark person. I love horror movies. I love a psychological thriller. I love murder shit. Sometimes if I'm in the mood, like I don't like real murder. I like fake murder. Like I like psychological thrillers, horrors when it's not real. When it's real, I get like freaked out. But recently I've gone down like this weird spiral where I was like obsessed with John Benet Ramsey again. Like every year I get obsessed with her for some reason. And like Scott Peterson and whatever, all these weird cases. I and Natalia Grace, if you've watched that stuff recently. So I made the conscious decision to not consume anything negative. So I've been watching The Office, which I've seen a million times, but it's kind of like my comfort show watching that, watching Dave Chappelle skits, just watching stuff that makes me genuinely laugh. And it really has been changing my mindset and helping me. And I've been feeling better the past couple of days. This is like a week of being consistent of like putting good things in my body, getting sunlight, going on very brief walks and just consuming positive stuff. And I'm starting to feel good. We'll see if it sticks. Anyways, now that we, how long did I fucking talk about depression for? 18 minutes, kill me. No, just kidding. Don't fucking 5150 me. It's called 5150 in California when you can get like put into a psych ward. And in Florida, it's called vapor acting or something like that. I don't know. Whatever. Don't do any of those things to me. Okay. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm too vain for that. All right. Call me in 10 years. Maybe then you might have to put me on suicide watch because (sighs) Joe Rogan, let's talk about it for a second. I posted a video tonight. Uh, who knows when I'm going to post this podcast, but I posted a video this week talking about Joe Rogan. This is what happened. I follow him. Sometimes I think he's funny. I, he caught my eye when he was interviewing Elon Musk back in the day. That was a super fascinating interview. Lately, not don't really care, but a video popped up, him coming out the sauna. My God. Okay. I think last week I talked about Dane Cook. Uh, Joe Rogan is my Dane Cook this week. What happened to you, man? Okay. What is going on? You look like an ingrown hair. 
okay, here's the thing that bothers me about Joe Rogan. I respect the man. I think he's a genius. Kind of, uh, who's really a genius? We're all human. We all die. We all shit. Who cares? So, so many men follow him and everything he does. And they like live by his word as if coming from God's lips to your ears. And he just like is so adamant and passionate about this, like all meat diet, not really consuming any produce. But the thing is the guy doesn't look well, like he embodies the energy of a heart attack. Like if a shark were to consume this man, the shark would have high blood pressure. Like, I don't know. He's he's like a bag of salt. Like he is high cholesterol. I don't know how to explain it. He's like one shortness of breath away from clogged arteries. I'm worried about him. You got to see this video. Obviously he's just coming out of the sauna, obviously. But I mean, I do steam room stuff every single day and I never have varicose veins coming out of my forehead. Like the guy... (laughs) The guy needs to eat a a stick of celery. I don't know. Like (laughs) Joe Rogan. God. Sometimes I think if every person in the entire world gave me $1 or even like 50 cents or 25 cents, I'd never have to worry about anything for the rest of my life. So like maybe homeless people have something going, like they have the right idea. They're like on the side of the road. They're like, okay, if all these cars just give me a dollar, I'm going to be rich. Maybe all these homeless people, maybe they're billionaires. Who knows? Whatever. I don't know why I just thought of that. So what I was thinking about tonight, oh, wait, hold on here, my heartbeat. So you should see me right now. I'm laying in my mom's dining room on the floor, literally just on the cold hardwood floor with this battery operated portable podcast equipment, basically under the fucking table. And I have the mic just like in between my tits and like, I'm about to listen, you're gonna hear my heartbeat. She's alive. She's alive. She's alive. Barely. So here I am. I was tonight. I was thinking about my depression. I'm like, when was the last time I was like seriously depressed? And the last time I was seriously depressed was when I got right out of my last relationship with the um, alleged rapist. And (laughs) this is what I was thinking about. This is so embarrassing. So when I first got out of the relationship last summer, I was on a mission to fuck Theo Vaughn. I don't know why. Back in the summer, he was looking kind of good. Right now, he's looking like a straight up dyke. Okay. Lesbian. I think we can say dyke now. I don't know. So oh, I wouldn't fuck him now. But in the summer, I would have been over backwards to fuck this man. I don't know why. So I was like, I'm doing it. But here was the problem I faced. The reason I mean, there's probably a million reasons why it couldn't happen. He's probably not even attracted to me. But the guy that was trying to fuck me at that point in time, it was actually more than that. He wasn't just trying to fuck me. I'm going to get into that story. But he's friends with him. And his brother is super good friends with him and like went on tour with him. Okay, so here's the deal. Let me tell you the story. There's this guy that I'm really close with. I've known him for 10 years. 10 years ago, we dated and it felt really good. And we had really good sex, like kind of kinky. I was like super into him. He was like maybe a couple years sober at this time. And he works with someone extremely famous, like A-list person. And if I told you who this guy was, you'd probably know 
who this dude is, who's my friend, because they like go hand in hand. So I know this guy, I've hung out with him, the guy he works with, they're like best friends. He's been working with him since I'm, I've known him. And that's actually how I know him because of that guy. Cause I worked for comp anyways, we're getting in the weeds here. This is the point of the story. So this guy is sober, meaning he, or he's an alcoholic, but he's sober. He is very, and he's very smart and I respect him. And I actually, I love him. Like I truly love him and care about him. So he ended up breaking up with me 10 years ago because he wasn't ready. And I think this is what he tells me. This is the story he told me. He said the reason he broke up with me is because, and I remember doing this and I did this as like, I was like testing him to see how in it he was. So when we were first dating 10 plus years ago, we were having a lot of sex. And I said to him, I asked him, should I get on birth control? It was kind of like my test to see how into this he was. Like, is he so into me that he wants me to prevent pregnancy? Cause we're going to have so much consistent sex. Like if he says, yes, I should, then that means he's in it for the long haul. But if he says no, then he's clearly not that into it. <laughs> and he, he knew, he knew exactly what I was doing when I asked him that and it scared him. And he like backed away after that. And I was like, all right, cool. Now I know what's up. I think maybe a year later, we started talking again and seeing each other again. It like fizzled out. He travels a lot. I travel a lot. Didn't work out. I ended up meeting somebody else shortly after, ended up getting engaged to him. While I was engaged to this man, he would, this guy, uh, what do we call him? Let's call him Daddy Warbucks. Okay. (laughs) Try to take a hint from that. So Daddy Warbucks would text me periodically while I was with my ex-fiance and ask me, are you still engaged? Blah, blah, blah. I never entertained this, not even for a second. I never had a period of downtime between my ex-fiance and my ex-boyfriend. I went back to back, like there was no downtime. So my ex-fiance didn't struggle with addiction whatsoever. Obviously my ex-boyfriend did. So about a year into the relationship with my ex, he got really bad. There was a time when we were at a concert and he was in a porta potty doing heroin and like left me outside. And I was like crying and I didn't know what to do. And I remember I called him daddy Warbucks and asked him for advice and for help because at this point he's been sober for 10 years. Alcoholics sponsor other alcoholics he was like an alcoholic sponsoring me, a non-alcoholic, because I would call him anytime. Like from there for like the next year, because I think we're about a year into our relationship at that point. For the next year of my relationship with my ex, I would call Daddy Warbucks periodically just to like for help to check in. We talk about whatever. And we developed like this friendship, totally platonic on my end. And on his end, he never disrespected anything. He was, he was, you know, just being a friend. As soon as my ex and I broke up, I went into like this really dark place. Like I already was in a dark place before we broke up just with finding out about the drugs and him going to rehab and my mom's cancer and this change of like uh, career and all this stuff. So me and daddy Warbucks, started becoming really close. I'm telling you, this guy fucking 
I, I said earlier in this episode that like no one can come in and save you, but he kind of came in and saved me genuinely. I mean, if you've been following me for a while, you know, you know, I used to post all these videos with lunch packing. After we broke up, I didn't post anything. And I had this idea. I was like, I'm when I come back, I'm going to post this video and it's going to be called Shrimp Panty. And I'm going to make shrimp scampi. And I'm going to tell the story of how I found the pair of underwear in the dryer to tell you guys that we broke up. Like that was going to be my breakup post, which I did end up doing, but it took me a while to do that. Like I had that idea for months and I was sitting on it and I would order the groceries. They'd come to the house and then everything would go bad because I just could not get up to cook. And I remember I would go to his house. He has like this gorgeous house in the Hollywood Hills fucking amazing on a fucking mountain shit with like a hot tub and a fucking sauna and a cold plunge. It was like a retreat going there. And it's like, everything's clean and perfect. And he had a room for me and, and he has a meditation room. Like it was like a fucking dream. Okay. So he would like call me an Uber from Long Beach to the Hollywood Hills, which is like a hundred dollar Uber. And he'd call me like a black car to come to his house and camp out and just like process. And he ordered me the groceries, I think twice, two different times I didn't cook it. And he was just always supportive. He helped me come up with this idea. I haven't launched it yet. I've been working on it for like a year. I mean, he's just fucking incredible and I miss him, but we don't talk anymore. And the reason why we don't talk is because he really wanted to be with me, like genuinely. So he sent me like pictures of engagement rings before we weren't even having sex. We weren't even hooking up, nothing, not cuddling, nothing. He was just like my, um, he was like my support dog. Like that's a horrible thing to say, but he was like my, he was like my pseudo boyfriend, but not my boyfriend because we wouldn't hook up. But like he was there for me in every other way. And he was totally aware of that. Like this guy goes, here's the thing I would tell him because he would always say, you need to go to therapy. And I would say, well, you have too much therapy. Like you are over therapized. I don't, that's not even a fucking word, but you've been to too much therapy. My guy, you need to chill on the therapy. I need to go to some therapy, but you need to chill because he'd always talk about what his therapist said. And like, he'd tell his therapist everything about me and stuff and too much, too much fucking therapy. I mean, but obviously it's working for him. Like he's successful. He's got all the, whatever. So he really was helping me out during that time. Here's the problem. Okay. It's so weird. It's like, I don't know how to explain this. It's like, I am sexually attracted to him because we've had sex and it was incredible. Like it was, it's probably like top two of like the people I've had sex with. Like I've fantasized about the times that we've had sex in the past 10 years ago. But like, I don't know that I feel it now. Like I don't see him as my person now. And I knew and know like how much he wanted it to be serious. So I just could not do that because I didn't want to break him. And I did that with my ex-fiance. Like I knew deep down that he wasn't my guy, but he was like so in love with me and wanted it so bad. And I just, and I'll never forget this with my ex-fiance because he and I actually met at work on a show. And I'll never forget this guy we worked with who I've known for years and years he said to me one day when me and my ex-fiance first got together, he was like, he goes, Alana, you're going to break his heart. 
I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to break his heart. Like, I love him. I'm going to marry him. But like, I knew, like, I, I agreed with him in my deep down in my subconscious. Like I fucking, I agreed with him. I was like, you're fucking right. Like I am going to break this guy's heart. And then I almost felt like I needed to prove to everybody that I wouldn't, (laughs) but I did. So anyways, so I learned from that mistake and I was like, I'm not going to do that again. Like this guy, like, what am I going to do? Just date another person who's I mean, what a thing to complain about. Someone who's totally head over heels for you would do anything for you and then break his heart. I was like, I'm not going to do that again. (sighs) Then again, they do say that like the woman shouldn't really be as in love, but whatever. I want more. I'm sorry, but I want more. I don't care if I have to die alone and single and childless. I don't want to do that. I just don't feel like I need to. I'd rather be alone than have to fucking suffer through two minutes of like excruciating sex with someone who can barely get it up. Like I did that for five years. I can't do it again. So anyways, here's the problem. Back to Theo Vaughn. As I said, we're landing the planes. Here's a problem. When I got in my relationship this summer, I just wanted to like have fun. I was depressed. I wanted to go out. You know, I just lost all this depression weight. I was ready to like, you know, just have a good old time. But I felt like I couldn't do that, number one, because me and this guy, Daddy Warbucks, were so close that like, and he was like waiting for me to tell him that I was ready to date. And I kept saying to him, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready yet. I mean, he and I talked on the phone every single day for hours, texting constantly. He's like my my best friend. I miss him all the time. It sucks that we can't be friends. Basically, just to end that story real quick, like what ended up happening with him is he told me that like he can't continue talking to me until I'm ready to open the door to a relationship with him because it was fucking him up too much. And there were times like we, he took me on trips with him. Like, I mean, all the things and we stayed in like the same hotel room bed. I we didn't even touch each other. That actually pissed me off because he took me on this trip and I thought like I'd get my own room. And then we were in the same room and I was like this motherfucker, whatever. So anywho, I really wanted to fuck Theo Vaughn. The problem was Daddy Warbucks knows Theo Vaughn. He's a text message away. Like Theo Vaughn was like right there. Like I could touch him. I could feel him. I could taste him. But I couldn't get to him because of Daddy Warbucks. I was like, that would be the ultimate worst fucking thing if I go fuck Theo Vaughn. And he is like, waiting and I'm telling him I, I'm not ready for anything. And here I am just banging, you know, doggy style Theo Vaughn. I don't know. I was like, I'm not that evil of a person, but I still am going to try. So without his help, I would try to find ways to work Theo Vaughn into the conversation and like ask questions about him. And I feel like he knew that I was into Theo Vaughn because he would like say certain things about him, almost like, you know, when you're like with a guy or you're with a girl or whatever, and, and they can like sense that you have an attraction to someone. So they'll like kind of dig at them to like get you off the scent of them. Daddy Warbucks was doing that to me for Theo, but it was like, wasn't working. I had my mindset on him. So what ended up happening is I was like, well, I'm just going to do this on my own. So, uh, the comedy store, like randomly, I think Theo was in town and he got like, he was going to do a set. So I got tickets to go. And like I said, I live in Long Beach, an hour away from like Hollywood, whatever. But Daddy Warbucks has a house in the Hollywood Hills, very right up the hill from the comedy store. He happened to be 
out of town. I told him I was going to Theo's show and he's like, oh, well, you can um, you can stay at my place, you know, so you don't have to whatever. Oh, my God. This is what makes it even worse. So my friend and I, we stay at his house and we go out to the store that night. So let me just tell you the next I'm so fucking stupid. I would be, do you understand if I would have let the, if I would have dated this guy, do you know what my life would be like right now? I'd be probably fucking driving a G wagon, living in the Hollywood Hills and living the best life ever. And he would just cater to me and love me completely in the way that I want to be loved. But I just wish it <laughs> whatever. We woke up the next morning and he ordered us, my friend and I, Starbucks delivered. Didn't even tell me just had it delivered, waiting for us in the morning. What a fucking catch, dude. Whoever ends up with him is going to be the luckiest bitch ever. (sighs) I'm just stupid. And obviously, I just love to live in my depression. So anyways, the night we go out, I look hot. I'm like, I'm going to look fucking good. I'm going to get his attention. I did end up getting his attention that night. We did end up talking, but he had, it didn't, nothing work out. But this is what, this is the thing that I wanted to say. The other person I'm obsessed with, but not in like a sexual way is Bobby Lee. I think he's so fucking funny. I love his podcast. Although he has a podcast called Tiger Belly and another one, Bad Friends. Tiger Belly is the one he started first with his ex-girlfriend, Kalila. And they were dating at the time when it started. They're not together anymore, but she's just like really been annoying on the podcast lately. And like, it's just like not as good anymore, Tiger Belly. But if you were to like start listening to it, I would suggest you go back to the beginning, like the first episodes and listen from the beginning because those episodes are just pure gold. If you think I'm funny and you like my crudeness, like you'll love him because he's so fucking crude and dirty and raw and talks about shit and buttholes. And I love it personally. Anyways, that night I ended up telling Theo, not Theo Vaughn, I ended up telling Bobby Lee that I was like suicidal and depressed and that he, he his comedy stopped me from killing myself. But I, it was like a joke. Okay. I was trying, I was joking, but he was like, I think I like scared him. And if you know anything about Theo or if you know anything about Bobby Lee for you to like scare Bobby Lee, that's kind of crazy. Cause the guy's fucking wild. I think that my darkness scared Bobby Lee. (laughs) And he ended up looking me dead in the eye. And he's like, please don't kill yourself. You're so beautiful. Uh, Showered me with compliments. And I was like, okay, whatever. You didn't get the fucking joke. I guess I'm too dry even for Bobby Lee. What the fuck? And I was like, I don't want to be told I'm beautiful. I mean, yes, I want to be told I'm beautiful, but I want to be told I'm funny. I don't want to be told I'm fucking whatever. But thank you, Bobby Lee. Appreciate you. Oh, God, he's fucking funny. Anyways, I didn't fuck Theo Vaughn. I could have laid it on thicker, but I was like, I'm staying at his friend's house who's trying to marry me. And here I am trying to fuck this guy. I couldn't do it. Anyways, now I don't even want to fuck... Um, Theo Vaughn anymore because he looks like a lesbian. But that was like my goal to get out of my depression before. I was like, if I could just fuck Theo Vaughn, I just like probably wouldn't even be depressed anymore. That's not true. Here's something else I was thinking of. There's this influencer. I don't even remember her name, but she's, she struggles with her weight. 
She's gained, she gained a lot of weight and then she went on Ozempic. And after she got off Ozempic, she gained all the weight back. And she was saying like, Ozempic doesn't work. I gained all the weight back. Here's the thing. And like, this is probably a controversial opinion. As a person who has a 600 pound woman living inside of her, like I literally, like people don't believe me now who haven't known me forever. I am naturally not thin. I have to work constantly. And it took me years to get to a place where I could have a healthy relationship with food. I was never anorexic. I was never um, like bulimic or anything like that. But the way I struggle with food is I overconsume, I indulge, I binge, I just eat too much. So that's what I used to do. And it took me years to get to a place where I could have a healthy relationship with food. I mean, food is a drug. Sugar is a drug. You have to get your body off of it. Now, like I ordered chilies tonight and it was like, oh my God, it was like such a treat. It was so amazing. It was like, oh my God, this is so good. I used to eat fucking McDonald's, Taco Bell, chilies all in one fucking day and Indian food. Now it's like once in a while and it's like this amazing thing. But, you know, I, I like my relationship with food right now. The problem I have with people who are like, I took a diet pill or I did this fad diet or I did Ozempic and then I gained all the weight back. It's like, no, bro, you were leaning on this crutch to help you lose weight thinking it was going to save your life. No, you have to put the work in. Just like my doctor told me about Lexapro, it's not a fucking fix all. You gotta put the work in, baby. And that's how it is with losing weight. It's like you could take a pill, you could take Ozempic, lose all the weight. But if you do not have a healthy relationship with food and balance and learn what works for your body and what foods work for your body and don't, you are never gonna keep the weight off. It's you, baby. It's not the fucking shot. It's not the fucking pill. It's not the diet you're on. It's you. You can't look at it as a diet. You have to look at it as a lifestyle. You have to change your life, your relationship with food. This is one area I feel like I can speak on intelligently because I've dealt with it for my entire life. Like since I was a fucking kid, I'll never forget. I was like 10 years old. My parents are divorced. My mom sends me to my dad's for the summer. I come back fat apparently. And my mom calls my dad and says, Next time she comes to your house for the summer, you better not send her home fat. Oh my God, this is where it all started. God, my trauma. So the next summer I went to my dad, he like made me walk every day, made me eat healthy. And it it made me like resent working out. It made me resent food. It made me like, it was felt like a punishment and it, it just spiraled this whole thing where it turned into like all these yo-yo diets. Then I gained a ton of weight after I got out of my relationship with my high school teacher when I was like 20, I was like probably almost 200 pounds. And then I ended up going on Phenermine. I'll never forget this. It was like New Year's Eve. And my sister had this friend. She came to New Year's Eve and she was skinny. And I was like, what the fuck, bitch? How'd you lose weight? And she's like, oh girl, Phenermine. And I was like, well, how do I get it? She's like, you got to go to a doctor. And I was like, well, how do I get a doctor to give me drugs? Like, I don't even take Tylenol. Like, what do I do? And she's like, well, I have this doctor. We call him Dr. Feelgood. I swear to God, call him Dr. Feelgood. And you just go there and he'll give you whatever you want. So I went to this, I went to Dr. Feelgood and uh, he gave me Phenermine and I started taking it. I think I took it pretty responsibly actually. And I lost 
so much weight, dude. I went from 200 pounds to like 130 pounds. I didn't do it overnight. It took time and I was doing the right things. You know, as I was taking the pill, I was eating healthy. I was exercising and and whatever. And then I got off of it, kept the weight off for a really long time until I was with my ex-fiance. And then I ended up gaining, getting right back up to 200 pounds towards the end of that relationship. And I was really depressed. And then I started working on The Bachelor and you just like, there's like no time to even think about eating bad food. It's like when I'm bored and I have nothing to do, that's when I'll overeat and go crazy. But when I'm working and I'm busy, I make wise choices with food because I'm moving my body and whatever. So now I'm back to like my comfortable weight and maintaining and whatever. I don't know why I'm even talking about weight loss, but this is such a weird fucking episode. Depression, weight loss, fucking, fucking Theo Vaughn, Daddy Warbucks. I mean, what is even happening? It's going to answer your questions. You guys ask me questions. Let me see if I can pull those up. Yeah. So I posted a Q&A on Instagram for the podcast. I'm going to answer some of the questions you guys put in. Do you think I'm ever going to get married? Do you think anyone's ever going to love me? Do you think anyone's ever going to see past my Instagram and be like, yeah, I could totally... Yeah, I could I could marry her. Yeah, I could introduce my mom to this crazy ass bitch. Like, who the fuck is gonna marry me with this crazy ass Instagram shit? It's like I don't even care. I could never have done this in my 20s. I cared so much about what people think back then. Now I don't care at all. I'm like, whatever. I'm looking for the questions as I'm just rambling on about whatever's going on in my mind. But um 10 years ago, never couldn't have done this. Now I don't care if I never get married, never have a boyfriend again, because I speak my truth on the internet, then so be it. Whatever. I'm a crazy fuck. I don't care. All right, here we go. We got some questions here. Okay. (laughs) You guys are funny. Who is the meanest slash nicest person from bachelor nation? Let me think who's the meanest person from bachelor nation. It's so hard because I feel like I'm meaner than anybody because I'm so brutally honest. (laughs) So it's so hard for me to judge because I feel like anyone, but I'm trying to think who's like truly, I mean, okay, I actually do know, but I'm scared to say because I'm close to them. But this person is like a dark soul. Truly. Who couldn't I? Oh God. I know exactly who she's like a nobody. I mean, in the Bachelor Nation world, like nobody talks about her, but this girl is is such a cunt. Um, God, what's her name? She was on Bachelor in Paradise, not the most recent season, but the season before, and she was from Australia, and I think her name's Flo or something. God, she's a bitch. Who is the nicest? Who I had one person, but she like recently unfollowed me, so she's off my nice list. Cunt. Who's so nice? There's a lot of nice people. There's like more nice people than mean people, I would say, if I'm being totally honest with you. But then again, they're probably being fake. (laughs) The nicest person, the thing is, I don't really like nice people. I feel like nice people are the ones you have to worry about. Nice people scare me, but I respect mean people more than nice people. Because usually mean people are being honest. And nice people are full of shit. You know who's super nice? And actually, he threw a question in here, too. I won't say which question is his if I answer it. But who's super nice is Thomas and Becca. She's super nice, too. Thomas and Becca, they're so nice. I love them. Hmm. I don't know. Everyone's kind of nice. 
and fake. I mean, those people aren't, I don't, they're not fake. I don't think they're fake. Favorite show contestants that your ex didn't bang? <laughs> well, it's a small pool. I'm trying to think, hmm, who didn't he bang? That's my favorite. Who are my favorite? Thomas and Becca. Thomas and I had a lot of really good conversations in paradise, just talking about life and everything. And I had like, have a lot of respect for that guy who are my favorites that I'm just like, Oh my God, I could sit and kiki with you all the time. I love Courtney Robertson. Obviously her and I talk all the time. We talk every single day. Shanae, I used to love. I'm kind of lukewarm right now. Oh, who's my favorite Victoria Fuller. People can have their opinions about her. I don't care whose husband she's fucked or whatever the rumors are about her. I think she's, I just love her. I'm a fangirl. And she's so fucking funny, like in real life. She's so funny. She's such a hoot. She's a hoot and a half. I, if I had to go hang out with somebody and have drinks with them, it would be Victoria Fuller. And I wouldn't, and you know what? The thing is, if Victoria Fuller stole my man, I'd be honored. I'd be like, have him, baby. I wish my ex cheat on me with Victoria Fuller. That would be like a dream. I wouldn't even, actually, I'd probably talk about it just for the clout because whatever, but like I would have, the way I would talk about it would be in like such a funny way because I would just love it so much. Like I wouldn't even be mad because I have so much respect for her and I think she's so funny and just, uh, I don't know. I just, she's just got something about her. can't explain it. It's like all these women are gorgeous and a lot of these guys are good looking, but you know, in person, when you're with people, it's like some people just have that je ne sais quoi. They have something about them. Victoria Fuller has something about her and it's just like, I'm sure other people don't like her, but for me personally, it's impossible for me to hate her. So if Victoria Fuller was a, was one of the people who, who did that, I would eat it up. I'd love it. Um, that would have been great. Okay. Someone asked me, have you ever been possessed? Excuse me? Have you ever been possessed? I am possessed by the devil. So yeah, I have, and I am, and I don't want an exorcism. I'd like to keep it that way. Would you ever get back with any of your exes if you could have a do-over? Hmm. I would never get back with anyone that I'd been, I've been in a serious relationship with. No. I've been in uno, dos, tres, cuatro, like four and a half serious relationships, four and a half, and a ton of flings. Oh my God, God, oh my God, so many flings, so many flings, flings for days, sweetie. But if I could get back with anyone that I had a fling with, actually, yes, there is one guy that stands out. However, I'm like, it would have never worked. When my ex and I first broke up, there was this guy I was talking to and we went on, we met on Bumble actually. And he came to my place. He picked me up. We went out and we had this incredible fucking night. Didn't sleep with him. I think I've said this before. I've only slept with one dude since I've been single. And that was Teddy. But me and this guy had this amazing fucking night and we hung out until the sun came up and we were holding each other and kissing each other. And I completely fucked it up. Like I fucked this up so bad. So basically what happened, we went out, we had this incredible time. We were going to hang out a couple days from then, like a Friday night, because we went out midweek 
then he like canceled on me and said that he was going to hang out with his dad. And I was like, who the fuck hangs out with his, I didn't say this to him, but I'm like, who the fuck hangs out with their dad on a Friday night and who cancels with some chick they just had an incredible night with to go hang out with their dad? Like my aunt Fanny. Yeah, right. You're with your dad. Like my asshole, my asshole. Don't believe it. So what I did, because at that point, my ex, I still kind of had wrapped around my finger. So I told him to come over and hang out and like play video games and watch movies and just chill. So he came over. This is like before anything, like before I found out about him sleeping with these people, before I found out about any of that shit and like the his diary of secrets before this, when we were like actually still really cool and he was trying to get back together and I had him wrapped around my finger. Okay. Let me take that back for a second. Cause when we first broke up, that was not the case. We first broke up. I was like crying all the time, blah, blah, blah. But like a few weeks after that, I kind of got over it pretty quick. And <laughs> because that's kind of what happens for me. So later we were like super cordial all's good in the hood. Even after I posted the shrimp panty and all that stuff, we were super cool. And so he came over and I posted him on my story to piss that guy off. But what I failed to recognize was that this guy is like a respectable dude. And I had divulged all the stuff to him. Like I told him about my ex's struggle with um, drugs and how he the underwear. And he was so disgusted that I would like post him on my story and hang out with him. And he was so annoyed that I was hanging out with him. He immediately unfollowed me and texted me. I can't believe I can't hang out with you. So you go hang out with your ex-boyfriend like seriously. And I was like, whoa, I really did do that. Didn't I? I fucked that up. I was playing a game and he called me out and I had so much respect for him in that moment. And then I was like, and so much lack of respect for myself. I was like, wow, I really just did that. Like I'm used to playing with a toddler, which was my ex-boyfriend. And this is a man. And I just fucked this up with this man. He like deleted his Bumble and then he like made it again, I guess. We matched and I said, why don't we start over? And he just like never responded to me. And I was like, all right, whatever, that's fine. This is like a long-winded answer. If I could go back, I would probably do it over with that guy. But then again, I don't think it was the right time. Clearly it wasn't the right time for me to be thinking about dating anyone seriously because it was literally like I was still fucking my ex-boyfriend. Like I could not have dated anyone in a real way. So it, it wouldn't have worked out, but I do wish I could do that over. Someone asked, what's next for you career-wise? I, I don't really want to say it yet. I have all the business stuff worked out. I have all the I have all the legal stuff worked out for it. So I could talk about it, but it's not that I'm like trying to do like this secret project. I'm the type of person where I when I say an idea or tell someone something that I'm doing, that I don't end up doing it because it's like this weird psychological thing. It's like when you talk about a story or you talk about a product or an idea or whatever you've got going on, you get like that adrenaline rush from talking about it with people. So you don't end up fucking doing it, at least for me. So I'm not talking about it, but I have this thing that I am so excited about, so fucking excited about that I'm getting ready to launch. Gross. So I'm hoping, you know, this 
podcasting, my book. I, I don't know. I'm kind of in a, this weird standstill where I'm like, what am I doing next? Like, I don't know. And I'm kind of in this limbo because I don't know. It, it, my, my mom would be like, go do whatever you want, whatever, whatever. But I don't want to leave right now. There's all this stuff going on. So I don't know. I'm at this standstill and I basically just came to for my depression and it's been 48 hours since I've slept. So I don't know what's next for me career, career wise. I guess this is like what I'm hoping. <sighs> God, I'm annoying. No questions. Just want to say, I love your pod. Oh my God. I love you. Thank you. Is the bachelorette who slept with the producer, Rachel? There's a few bachelorettes named Rachel, but I can tell you that it's no Rachel. None of the Rachels. The name is not Rachel. So no. Did Victoria Fuller really cheat with Greg following Paradise? Well, didn't they address all that in the Paradise reunion? I feel like they said a lot. They pretty much answered all those questions. Has Genevieve reached out since your podcast episode spilling the tea? Yes. I think either the next day or a couple of days after she called me twice. I didn't answer. I never text her back, never called her back. Cause it's just like, what is there to say? And the other thing I know is she, she didn't even really listen to the podcast. Cause I know people who have talked to her and they told me what she said. And she's like, and I guess she said like, Oh my God, she said that like I did Coke and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I didn't even say that. That's not what I said. I said exactly what happened in the podcast. Like, listen to it if you really want to know. But I am kind of a shitty person because when I found out all this stuff, it was all in one weekend. It was fucking crazy. The weekend from hell. And I was talking to her and Serene and we had like this whole conversation. We were on three-way calls. We we're in a group chat and blah, blah, blah. And at that point, I was like not even thinking to fucking talk about it on a podcast or talk about it anywhere after I found out about the rape allegations, I closed the book on it. I was like, I'm not talking about this shit. I'm done. But when he posted that caption, like I've said a million times, it reactivated me. Back then, I think when I posted that, it was November. It was like that two-part, long-winded, fucking boring-ass shit. So when I posted those two episodes, I talked to Serene and Genevieve explicitly about it. Serene was like, I'd appreciate it if you left me out of it. I want to be associated with you know who. And I never said I won't, but I told them that people are going to know it to you guys. Then I was marinating on it for months, obviously. And I was just like, you know, and it kind of reminded me, I'm like really into Love is, Bl- Love is Blind right now. I actually just recorded a recap-ish with Courtney Robertson today. And I think uh, that episode's dropping Friday or Thursday. What day is it even? I'm not sleeping. We talk about Love is Blind and this is totally different, but it just made me think about the scenario. But if you're watching Love is Blind, there's a couple, Laura and Jeremy. Laura and Jeremy are engaged. And then the girl that they were in a love triangle with in the pods DM Jeremy on Instagram and he ended up meeting her. And And what Laura said in the episode is like totally true. She's like, Jeremy is a shitty person. It's his fault. He did it, blah, blah, blah. But why did she even send the DM? Like she also sucks, but like it's him, it's on him. And that's how I feel here. It's like totally on my ex-boyfriend. No blame to them per se, but like you were active participants. I saw the text and I was just marinating on that. And when it came to New Year's, I was like, you know what? I'm not carrying the weight of this anymore. And you did it. And fuck you. 
honestly, fuck all y'all. So when she called me, no, there's nothing to talk about. What, what do you want to say? What are you going to ask me to take it down? I haven't said anything that's a lie. Everything I've said is the truth. There's no defamation of character. There's no nothing like you did it. I have proof. I have evidence. Um, we're never going to be friends ever because the more I thought about it, I was just like, God, are they, I felt like they were fucking playing me is how I felt because you know me, I am very fucking vocal on the internet. I say crazy ass shit and who the fuck wants to be associated with me? Who the hell wants to be associated with my ex-boyfriend? It's just all drama and chaos. Like no one wants to be involved in that. And then, but you elected, granted Genevieve got with my ex before I ever went viral on TikTok, before any of that, Serene's flirtatiousness with him started before that. But Genevieve got with him again after I was already extremely vocal on the internet. Obviously nothing to do with bachelor or anything like that. But like I divulge all my relationship stuff and you chose to get back into bed with him after that. And Serene chose to open the door with him after that. And so when I was thinking about the conversations I had with them about the podcast episode I put out in November, I was really feeling like they were fucking playing me. Like they were just saying what they need to say. I will say Serene did feel a lot more genuine, like, but then I just think back to the text and I like read the text again and I'm like, you fucking cunt. Like you fucking cunt. Both y'all and the other people, you know who you are, who I did not name, but you cunts. So I didn't care. And I needed, that wasn't even the question, but the question was, have I talked to Genevieve? No, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. We will never be friends. I don't wish you well. I don't wish you unwell. I just don't even care to even ever think about you or acknowledge, acknowledge your existence. Um, like, no, I don't peep on these people. I don't care what they're doing. In fact, the other day, someone sent me a picture of Genevieve, like a screenshot of her story and was like, did she get her boobs done? And I said, I don't know. I don't care. Please don't ever send me pictures of her. Like I'm trying to live my life and not ever think about these people. And the the worst thing is my fucking iPad will come up and be like memory from this day, this day. And then it shows me and my ex or pictures from with the, those people. And I'm just like, fuck, fuck, I already have my iPad doing it to me. I got to like figure out the fucking settings on that. It's like a fucking, why is Apple trying to trigger all of us with the fucking memories popping up on the home screen? It's enough with it. So yeah, n- no, I didn't answer her calls. Didn't talk to her. Serene texts me as well and was like, call me when you, when you can talk. And, and I was just like, I didn't text her back either. I'm like, there's nothing to say. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I did a shitty thing because they didn't want that information out there. Who would? But I didn't want you to fuck my boyfriend. <laughs> but you did it. So I don't know. Tit for tat. Tit for tit. That's that, baby. That's how the cookie crumbles. <sighs> that was a good, good hour. So I love you guys. I have a guest coming next week. I wasn't going to put out a podcast this week. It's going to be late in the week episode, but you know, I was feeling spicy. I was feeling right. Um, I hope you guys liked it. Please 
Give me five stars on iTunes, uh, Spotify. Write me a colorful review, you know, if you can, if you have it in you. And, you know, I'll give you my unborn child. I don't know, whatever you want from me. Love you guys. Bye. 